0: For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. On a wonderful day, uh, I'm talking to a person with a really fascinating background. We've already been talking about a background, we've been t- really talking about masks and all sorts of different things. So, Rob Kalvorowski is a fascinating person with a fantastic voice. And, um, I don't know if it's a love of J- Japan, but certainly experience of Japanese culture and life and such like. So, um, first of all, welcome. How are the devil are you?
1: Great, thanks for having me, Russell. You have the the Zoom beach background. I, I actually earlier this year I moved to Costa Rica. Um, we're not on the beach; we're in the mountains, but it's beautiful, just like your background.
0: Yes, and I have to tell you that this background is actually the northeast of England.
1: <laughs> not. I'm looking no. for the cliffs of Dover, but I didn't. I didn't. Well, you see wouldn't it. find it in the
0: northeast. <laughs> I can tell you that. So, where in the world are you today? You're in Costa Rica.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah.
0: Oh, very nice too. Well, it's a delight a for, for you to join us. I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, uh, we can go in one of two ways, can't we? We can go mindset or we can go bosses. I mean, you know, first of all, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Rob? What, what are your interests, passions? What, what's your, your life been about?
1: Absolutely. And this is sort of where all of this came from. So um, I, I'm Canadian. I was a water polo player. I played on the junior national team. I went to MIT. I have a degree in mechanical engineering. And after college, I moved out west to work in a coal mine or like coal mining in in British Columbia. And that was when I experienced my first bad boss or toxic boss. And he was passive aggressive. It was very much this culture of, you know, we've always done it this way we want you to pretend like you're trying to strive, but then we don't actually want to change. And now yeah. that I have this experience of mindset and all these things is I understand what was going on for his mindset, which prevented a lot of the work I was doing from actually being great. But regardless, that sort of sent me down this tailspin of depression, and ultimately a suicide attempt in 2013. Oh. So the part, yeah, And the part that I want to share with folks is not that, but it's like the morning after the suicide attempt, I woke up and I actually went to work because I was so trapped in all these beliefs and mindset about who are you if you don't work? Who are you if you don't make money? Mm -hmm. Who are you if you, and I knew like logically, I was like, I hate my job. It's killing me and I'm not happy and I, but I couldn't give myself the permission to leave, even though like financially, like they were paying me good money. Like it wasn't like this element of like, I couldn't afford it or I needed medical insurance. It was none of that. And yeah, and then that started basically for six years, I stopped asking for help. And then in 2019, I started working with Susan Hobson, who's the, who now I'm, we're actually working with as a coach, but, but I hired her to help me basically learn leadership and then also launch a consulting business. I thought I was going to consult an engineer because of course I have an engineering degree. This started the deep dive of the self work and the mindset work that I do. So I did work with her. I went to see a trauma therapist. We did a lot of work in that sense. I got medication and psychiatrist. And basically from that three and a half years forward, I did a Ted talk in July on leadership on bad bosses specifically because of that. And then also like I do a career now leadership coaching that I never even realized was a career. And it's all due to all the deep work that I did, but also that I believe all leaders should do.
0: Yeah. And what do you mean by deep work? 'Cause it's a phrase that's sort of thrown about a bit, isn't
1: it? Absolutely. And so um a friend of mine, David Irvine, he's he wrote a book about authentic leadership. We had him on the show and he kind of went through he calls it horizontal work and vertical work, which I really mm. love. And so horizontal work is like, hey, we're listening to this podcast, hey, we're reading another book, we're watching a TED talk, we're learning you know, we're reading articles like this type of stuff, like, yeah, we're basically building knowledge. Yeah. Vertical work is getting into the core of who you are. And so it's skills like self awareness, which actually is the number one leadership skill, mm. uh, then emotional intelligence, which is actually the number two leadership skill. But it's like digging into, you know, w- what are our values? What are our strengths? Where do we want to go as a person? Who do we want to become? And then stuff like what are the beliefs that i have that are not serving me or that are holding me back from reaching that highest potential and sort of choosing how we want to believe about ourselves so then we can strategically go out and get these goals yeah yeah
0: makes sense and um interesting you say self-awareness is the most important leadership skill fascinating um so bad bosses so we've. Um, I think there's lots of bad bosses. Um, I think if you have a if you have one good boss in your career, you've done above average personally. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and I know I've been a bad boss. Uh, I think many of us have been in bad bosses, you know, in our career. Because actually, frankly, the management training and the management coaching and leadership coaching, and leadership training that has been on offer has been woeful, and actually really not fit for pur- purpose. And actually, it's very hard to see that things have changed post-COVID because a lot of people are still really pushing the same ideas.
1: And the research backs you up, Russell,
0: does it? So, oh, well, there you are. I'm glad for, glad someone agrees with me for once.
1: <laughs> yeah. So 65% of the workforce right now experiences a bad boss. Yeah. And this can range from folks we call or the research calls them arrogant and violent which are like the Darth Vader, Gordon Ramsay circa you know 2015, like very abusive, toxic, bully, like the classic, what you would think of a bad boss. Yeah. But then it also ranges to the other side of what many folks are, which it's, a, it's actually around 20% um, of the workforce experiences. These, but they're called messy or cowardly bosses, which means they're not out to get you, no. they're just, You know, they're they're avoiding making decisions. They're not great at management skills like planning, giving details, specifications, expectations, coaching, giving feedback like like actual real stuff. Yeah. So what
0: what is this research you're referring to? I'm quite intrigued by it. I've got my pen ready. So that's also a good sign on a podcast when someone's going to write something down, isn't it? So what is the research?
1: Totally. I'll send you I'll send you the link to it. Um, But it's an article out of Sweden that they looked at basically private and public like basically the whole country yeah and they broke it down into six well seven different leadership types six are destructive and one is not it's also that's the good boss they're just known as non-destructive leaders in the yeah. research but destructive leaders for folks out there it basically means two things one is they destroy company performance so the ability for employees to be productive profitability hit long-term goals that's the one side the other side is the actual health and wellness and well-being and happiness and so some of the research other research talks about the impacts of toxic bosses on people and this is increases in cardiovascular disease. So you're more likely to have a heart attack stroke increases in major disease as well. So like, stuff like diabetes and like, cancer goes up. The other thing is increases in mental health problems. So anxiety, depression, stuff like I experienced, and then just even just burnout, right is like, stress is really bad for our body when it's prolonged and lengthened. And so you know not only are you not happy you're not productive
0: yeah that sounds about right and and um it's interesting because you you you've got the you've got the sort of boss who's and we talk about Boris Johnson having the reverse of imposter syndrome as a man who's never believed he couldn't do anything he's like even though he's completely incapable and um and and you get and you get bosses don't you who are sort of parodies of <sighs> In utter incompetence, and um, and in a sense, they're easy to understand. And I think Gordon Ramsay plays a role to a certain extent because he's actually got a very good reputation as a, as a businessman. But, but part of it is that is the drab, anonymous middle—the sort of level of adequacy you get, you know, like in a poor sandwich in the middle. You know, that sort of meh sort of person. And I think sometimes you can deal with someone who's absolutely hideous or in you know, a brilliant it's the one that well they're just quite quite poor but you can't really put your finger on why or they're a bit variable they're a bit up and a bit down but they're quite just anodyne and i think that's i think especially in large organizations you find that sort of boss you know the one that won't make a career limiting decision you know the the we've arrived therefore all i'm going to do is stick around now and I'm not going to do anything or say anything because actually I've arrived, and arriving was enough. I mean, years ago we used to call it the Peter Principle, didn't we? Which is quite a nice idea. But I, and I think <laughs> and I think it's it's interesting that you're equating performance with well-being because I think that's quite a, a a popular thing at the moment. But but why those two things? Why why um, why performance and well-being? Why why not other things?
1: I mean, those are the big things that folks think about, right? Is how do we actually make money. And like, there's the business folks, right? How do we make money get productive? Like, like what Gallup does, where they've mapped employee engagement with actual business results. Yeah. And then the other side is like, what I think is important, because I suffered through it. And this is why I talk about bad bosses, is bad bosses are killing people. The ways company manage people is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. Yeah a hundred and twenty thousand deaths per year
0: well, can and... i can i can i put a contrary view out there so we can discuss this perhaps because i think a lot of people talk about this i i would contend for a second that the reason we have bad bosses is because we focus on engagement so engagement is the extra effort you put in which is unpaid towards the achievements of company objectives so, and I think companies like Gallup have actually had an agenda that says, do you know what, let's exploit the workforce. Let's actually figure out that the, the measure of true leadership is getting people to do something for nothing. And this is where the health and well-being problem comes in, isn't it? Because some, every now and then, even in America, people have woken up and gone, hang on a minute. Why am I working 130 hours a week and I'm being paid for 40 and not necessarily that well? And I might lose my job. And actually, who am I doing it for? I'm not doing it for myself. And I and I often wonder whether we've got into this fatuous I, notion of engagement as being a good thing. And I actually think over-engagement is as bad as under-engagement. But actually, under-engagement is actually doing the job you're paid to do. And and so good leadership is about people who perhaps doing the job they're meant to do, not doing three jobs they're not meant to do, if you you see what I mean.
1: I absolutely do, right? And here's the thing, right? So actually Gallup, like I totally agree, like they've just pushed engagement, right? But if you look at their 2022 State of the Workforce Report, which actually comes out, it came out in April, uh, but it talks about like what type of manager builds engagement, and it's like a, a manager who cares about their employees, a manager who focuses on developing and coaching versus you know the command control style, a manager who focuses on the employee's strengths and not like, oh well, you're not good at this, like let's work on that. It's like a lot of really good elements of like what I would call yeah. good leadership. And I think what it is is when folks are disengaged. You don't get meaning from work, you don't get purpose, you you just like feel met. And that's what you mentioned about those middle managers. The other side of it is really where I wanna, this is why I'm so a huge advocate about mindset. Is I had a call earlier this morning, right? And and we were talking to a group of lawyers that were talking about like, hey, well, you know, we've set our targets, they're out of France. So they've set their targets of like, their employees work 37 and a half hours a week. And we're like, okay, great. And and she, and she's like, well, the managers, they like we've all sort of set this, like there's no expectations that folks go above and beyond. And then she's like, well, well folks are, they're conditioned by other law firms or like this other stuff, and they're working more. Hmm. Like they're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week, but we're yeah. not expecting that. And that's the mindset piece. And so it's about like, what does work mean about you? Yeah. And so for me, when I was doing the deeper work, I uncovered that work meant, well, not actually work, but success and achievement meant I could be accepted. Yeah. And so by in sports, it started off like when you perform well, score lots of goals, play well, your coaches accept you, your team accepts you, they're giving you this feedback, it's great school was the same thing when you get a's when you go to good college when you're graduating again it's this and then the workplace it became like as i saved companies money as i hit these goals like again it's acceptance and often it's doing it, this work which means i don't actually need that from work yeah i can give that to myself so- yeah,
0: and that's right because actually, what you're describing there's social conformance, and it's a technique used to create engagement, isn't it? So, what you do, I mean, if you look at nudge, is the whole philosophy, which I nudge is creating a situation where we copy other people, and we pick up the the perceived culture. But and what you're describing is, with coaching people, we're talking about strengths, we're talking about heart and purpose, so we can still exploit them and get a greater in, in, and <laughs> engagement. And I think the engagement, I think engagement is the issue. So I think, and I think it's interesting you talk about your, your 37 and a half hours a week. And, and, and actually one of the reasons that people work is, I, I love that point that you make. I think you meet a lot of people and often men, but not, not always, but often men who say things like, my name is X, I'm an accountant. It's, that, totally. it's the second thing. It is, it is as deeply grained in their identity as anything else because, because we, are, we are bred to work. And there are people who are bred to um, sit over those people and exploit those people in the way that they work. And I think it is very interesting because we're a bit more maybe class organized in the UK than some of the Americans. Maybe I don't know so much about America Canada, but you you see the, the class thing being quite fascinating and reinforcing that perspective. and um, you you have a you have a group of people who are born to rule and you have a group, group of people who are born to sweat and um and you're right i mean so we find meaning from those sort of preconceived or you know deeply ingrained cultural processes that we have and 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 it's interesting it's the setting yourself free it's the maverick it's that daring to have an individual thought which is the challenge which is why a lot of people up businesses of course and and hence the shame at the moment of entrepreneurship being seen as a game by people who don't understand what it's about so they end up Crushing and burning or building very average organizations or being toxic bosses themselves because they haven't learned the lesson that you, you sort of learned really
1: and that's all of what you're talking about and and it's like all of mindset and self-awareness right like when you said you know boris johnson doesn't have imposter syndrome because he just like well one is he has no self-awareness because he doesn't know what his strengths or weaknesses or what he can actually do right the other side is likely he has very high imposter syndrome and that's what drove him to the top and so ultimately this is what a lot of us are doing is and the folks that rise to the top of these things have very traumatic childhood experiences traumatic i don't mean necessarily like what we no, think no, of no. trauma in the media me with which, a small t you know they went yeah. to war or some some yeah. crazy stuff like that but, but it's like, if his dad was like, when he was a kid was like, Hey, you're nothing if you're not bullying kids on the playground or like, you know, if you don't get an A in class, like you're the worst person ever. Right. Then we can learn these things and it's like, oh, I believe I'm not good enough. I believe I'm not accepted. I believe I'm not lovable unless I achieve. But and, and that's fine.
0: Uh, and, it, and it describes a certain percentage of the population but there's a huge degree of popular people who are brought up to be entitled and so they come at that from a very positive place which is I have a strong sense of purpose I entitled have the skills I've had the opportunities I've got the network I know where I'm going I know who I am and I'm very comfortable with that and um and I think and I think because actually it can be you're driven from this negative side it's it's like it's like I, I always used to talk about when we brought because I was part of the team that brought AI into the UK many, many years ago. And we used to talk about um, with coaches that they used to say the most important thing is self-awareness. And I used to say, no, it's actually self-management because you can be as aware as you like, but if you don't make the changes, if you don't actually activate the awareness, uh, So it's it's that's interesting. You have people who get results because they have quite low self awareness, but they maximise or massively exploit the awareness that they do have. And 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 I'm sure you have met people with huge self awareness. Oh, I oh, just, um, I love the way that if you put a hand up, the, the um, Zoom camera, it puts a hand up. Sorry about that, it's getting distracted. But you can um, <laughs> you can have huge self-awareness, it be awful, because of course you can't actualize, you can't actually operate. And for me, it's always been that blend between the, those two things, which I think is too, is really interesting.
1: Totally. And so just for for folks out there, right? So uh, Dr. Tasha Yurik did a study on self-awareness. 95% of people think they're self-aware. only 12 to 15 percent actually are right so we all think we're all listening going yeah yeah Yeah. well i don't know i I am self-aware and there's actually two buckets of self-awareness that are not correlated with each other Mm. one is the external which is what you're mentioning right which is like i understand how folks are seeing me and how i can impact their their experience with me right the other is internal self-awareness which most folks probably don't have much, but that's the, like, I understand my values, my strengths, my vision, my mindset, like all these things internally. Like I have a very, I mean, obviously who you are always develops, but I have a very sort of clear picture of who I am. Mm. And this is the part, right? Is like, what you're talking about is folks that are like very, uh, ranging on like sociopath right where it's like i'm manipulating and controlling folks to do what i want but i'm not actually like you know like i'm not actually feeling or or i'm shutting everything out
0: yeah but you can also be i mean i've met hugely self internally self-aware people with massive properly robust internal locus of control but that's no use unless you can operate in the external environment totally yeah. Because actually being, being perfect, but not able to leave home is, um <laughs> uh, and I mean, I always, I used to, used to amuse me. I remember talking to a, um, a coach who was telling me that they'd done a lot of self-improvement work and they'd manifested and they'd done their affirmations <laughs> and they'd done the journals and they'd done this. And I said, how many clients have you got? He said, no, I'm about to go out of business. But cause, and I had manifested it and I'd put the intention into the world, but sadly um, something's gone wrong, and I think it's <laughs> <laughs> the thing is we are we are social creatures, and it is actually how we interact in the world that matters. And that's the interaction is part of the 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 self self awareness bit, isn't it? You 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 operate your awareness, you you get a reaction, you you have some sort of feedback mechanism or loop, and that and that drives self um, self um, awareness piece, isn't it? You can't do self awareness on your own just through pure theoretical uh what's the word i was gonna say uh, i was gonna say a very rude word i'm trying to think of the right way of putting it thought <laughs> let me say that
1: <laughs> but of course you might disagree no it's it's true right and this is why i talk about emotional intelligence but i use the daniel goldman model which says basically self-awareness is number one then it's self-management then it's empathy then it's relational intelligence right yeah because we can't really get to relational intelligence, which is like all the external leadership stuff before we do our own journey, right? And this is like, you know, it's sort of like obvious, right? Like, how would I know what you're feeling if I don't know what feelings are or like, you know, what d- types of feelings are, right? And that's kind of the part of it and- Well, it I mean, you've, hit, it on, drives you've hit on had one of my
0: favorite subjects there, Rob, because most people don't even know what a feeling is.
1: Well, the I mean, uh, the Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown's book, basically said people know like three feelings, like happy, sad, and angry, or something. And they're (laughs) not feelings.
0: so it's it's really quite fascinating when you get into the sort of psychological you and i can talk for ages and i'm (laughs) I'm not going to um spend ages chatting because i think we have to be a bit more productive with your time so um it's absolutely fascinating and i can you've got a really thoughtful way of um um um, dissecting this information i love the, the 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 extent to which you're using a research base as well so that's lovely um can can you tell people how to find more about the work that you do or point them in the direction where they can make contact with you
1: absolutely so wherever you're listening to resilience unraveled you can just search leadership launchpad project and you hit subscribe that's my podcast um and we have we'll probably have we'll have russell on in the future but we we have a lot of folks on that are everything from Olympic gold medalists to entrepreneurs, C-suite folks, all that stuff. Um, and then if you're looking for information on how to deal with a bad boss, <laughs> my specialty. I have a free ebook on howtodealboss.com. You can check that out, and then we'll give you a free $50 off the the program as well so if you use the code resilience all capital letters you'll get 50 bucks off the program and my contact info is all there as well so we do offer group leadership programs one-on-one coaching all that stuff too
0: brilliant and let me just uh um, just just say that again so it says howtodealboss.com uh um, yes sir yeah no that's absolutely fine just making sure it's there and it's an interesting site and also fascinating information so i do encourage you to get online and you'll see a picture of rob in a very interesting room with these waving his hands around. So, you, you know, you know, he's good when he's got hand waving going on this picture. That's always, that's always <laughs> great. And if you do talk to him, ask him about his Japanese masks. it's absolutely fascinating. I think that's your next leadership book, you know, the masks of leadership.
1: It's actually, so it's going to be part of what we talk about. So I'm a huge good. advocate for yeah. internal family systems, yeah, me too. which is, breaks the world in well breaks the internal world into yeah. parts which you can really just say are masks yeah so when the ted talk comes out folks listen to it it does talk a lot about masks but we'll definitely get into it in a book hopefully yeah. 2024 <laughs> very good and
0: mask is great because of course it's a it's a brilliant word in the sense that you can spell it in different ways it's got synonyms it's really fascinating i've i was writing my own book and i actually played with the concept of leadership masks and uh totally but I wanted, I wanted something slightly different, so I ended with sort of a different concept. But, Rob, it's been an absolute joy to deal with you, to talk to you today. and Thank you so much for um, joining us. And when you said you were from Canada, I knew you were going to be brilliant. So that's always the, the gold <laughs> the, the gold standard of guests, it has to be said. Thank
1: you so, so much. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a
0: real joy to talk to you today. Thanks very much for spending time with us. Uh, you can get hold of Rob, as I said, at howtodealboss.com. And you also mentioned a site to me, elitehighperformance.com as well. So feel free. And of course, Rob made that offer earlier. So why not take him up on it? Thanks so much. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas, or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcasts for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.